0: Hello and welcome to Hear Her Voice, a podcast celebrating the incredible range of artistry and talent of women in music. I'm Laura Whitmore and across the series I'm chatting to some very special guests as we enjoy the songs, albums and lyrics from some of the most iconic women in music through the decades and we have some great women. This episode's theme is Express Yourself and together with my very special guests we're profiling the female trailblazers who take control of their image and their sexuality through their music. Pull up to my bumper baby signed Grace Jones in possibly the sexiest song from her songbook and don't you just know it. Grace is just one of the taboo breaking female artists to have used their lyrics and visual identity to empower women to take control of their sex and sexuality. Now alongside Grace there was Madonna in the 80s, Little Kim, Courtney Love and Shania Twain in the 90s and 90s and more recently powerful women like Beyonce, Rihanna, Megan Thee Stallion and Ariana Grande all of whom aren't afraid to flaunt it on their own terms of course. Don't forget, you can hear all of our featured tracks from this episode and more at our Hear Her Voice Express Yourself Spotify playlist. For this episode, I had a candid chat with the phenomenal pop goddess Rebecca Lucy Taylor, better known as Self Esteem, who opened up about her creative process and using her lyrics as therapy.
1: I think I'm so stressed out by what everyone thinks of me and so full of shame and so worried that I've messed something up that with all my work, like if I just tell you then you can't be mad at me. (laughs) I think it is just this really weird performance
0: of the facts. It gives me relief to have told you that. But first, I'm delighted to welcome the wonderful Liana Bird, a.k.a. Birdie, radio host and DJ on Radio X, XFM, for the past 16 years. The multi-talented Birdie is also the host of the feminist podcast Get It Off Your Breasts and the science podcast Geek Chic's Weird Science. She's the creator of hashtag Lazy Mom Recipes, which you can find on Instagram at Leanna Bird. And she recently wrote and directed her first short film, Snapshots, while she was six months pregnant. Yeah, go girl. Uh, Birdie has a first-class degree in experimental psychology, and she's fascinated by the psychology of love and attachment, and the psychology of music. So she was the perfect person for me to chat to about women in music expressing themselves. Enjoy, Birdie. Welcome. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Nice to be here. Talking about expressing yourself on here, her voice and. I just wanna take you back to growing up. Were you someone who always found it easy to express yourself? Hmm. Well, I have to say, I
2: probably started to express myself a lot more when I discovered the kind of music that I was really into. Because when I was really young, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're in primary school and you've just got your little mates and you mm-hmm. don't really kind of know what you're doing. And I was certainly someone that just went with the crowd very much. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to the age of about 12, I think it was, I have an older sister. And one of her friends gave me a mixtape.
0: showing my age. I miss them. I miss a good mixtape. I know, it was like the ultimate
2: you're my friend now if mm-hmm. you give someone a mixtape. But it was called Pop Scene. Okay. And um, they used a, a, a flyer of the night that was on at the time called Pop Scene, which was kind of based around Britpop music. Yeah. And it was just filled with all these bands that I just fell in love with. I didn't even know there was music like that out there. It was everything from radio head, to hole to elastica to mm-hmm. blur and i it just changed my world and from that point on i suppose i started looking at those bands and those artists and seeing how they dressed and kind of emulating that in a way so i went through the phase of wearing you know the adidas two stripe mm, oh i had that oh yeah mm-hmm. and the cords and the little <laughs> new balance shoes or the converse i um, mean you know, i kind of did the Britpop pop thing for a while and yeah. then i was really into my grunge so i kind of went down that route a little bit more and i think yeah just sort of learning to express how I was feeling inside by relating to the bands and the music and the lyrics that I related to. How, how did you
0: I- relate to a lot of those bands? You mentioned Hull and, you know, you got Courtney, Love, and but it was very male-dominated. Like There was a lot of guys um, in bands like that. So mm. how were you relating to that?
2: I mean, I, I did seek out and you know, find the the sort of female voices as well and the female icons. You know, I was really big into Joan Jett and Debbie Harry. Um, Loved a bit of Fleetwood Mac as well. You know, Stevie Stevie. Nicks was a big influence. So it was those kind of women. And, you know, even within the kind of Portmore indie scene that I was into, you know, I used to sneak into Shepherd's Bush Empire. Through the back door back in those days, you could definitely, uh, security wasn't what it is these days. Um, and I used to see Echo Belly and Elastica and bands like that. So, so I did find those, those women, and, and I'm not saying I didn't relate to um, the male lyrics and the male bands too, I certainly did. But I think as a young girl growing up, I definitely sought out and kind of found the women that I felt were standing out from the crowd and, and, and sort of showing young girls like me, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to look this way. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can be different, you can express yourself, and you can be authentic.
0: How did your friends and family kind of think about this new expression from, from Birdie?
2: I don't feel like it was that radical. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, I did do the kind of ripped fishnets at one point. My dad probably has a few things to say about that. <laughs> but I think he just generally kind of like decided to, you know, put on the blinkers and just go, well, I've got teenage daughters. <laughs> so just don't get involved. Comes with the territory. Exactly. But with my friends, I mean, yeah, I don't really remember there being a point of kind of feeling... Mm-hmm like i was different or that i was being particularly radical with my my fashion choices and i guess expressing yourself isn't necessarily just about music and the way you look it's about being able to say who you really are and i think that's something that comes from confidence mm-hmm. from self-esteem and from having a really good group of friends and i'm really lucky because mm-hmm. i had a really good group of female friends around me mm-hmm. who let each other be who we wanted to be and i think that's so important so
0: just going back to mixtapes. I miss mixtapes. I just remember you can kind of use it for so many things. My friend gave me one when I had my first big breakup and on it was Kalisa. I hate you so much right now. Which <laughs> was an anthem of its time as well, but oh, I miss a mixtape. Yeah, me too.
2: I I remember my now best friend at the time, we <laughs> my, were kind my of my now best friend well, at the time we were like two weren't we, always we were best we weren't friends at the time but we were kind of like at school we were really young we were like shall we become friends do we like each other enemies and we arranged to meet at trocadero okay. in London for night now this is pre mobile phone times and i can't i honestly can't remember what happened but for some reason i couldn't make it it's probably something to do with the family and i obviously had no way to tell her mm-hmm. so the poor thing was stuck standing outside trocadero probably in her little short skirt and um she was furious and I made her a mixtape as a sorry, and it was all sorry songs. And um I gave it to her and she was like, that's the most thoughtful thing anyone's ever done. And we've been best friends ever since. So there you go. It was it was friend forming as well. The power of music right oh, yeah. there.
0: I think we're we're, you know, we we're born in the same decade. And for me, like MTV coming on the scene was such a big thing, mm-hmm. especially with um females and expressing themselves in the music video. Do you mm-hmm. remember like watching music videos or any particular music video that kind of stood out for you?
2: So weirdly in my house, yeah. like MTV was not w- really a thing. I think we, I, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm probably a little bit older
0: than you. And
2: I think we had like the, f- the, f- the four channels, <laughs> but I do remember, you know, going to friends houses and seeking it out and I can remember, you know, Cindy Lauper was a big <gasps> one when we first started watching her and I was like, because she just looked amazing and yeah. she was so herself you know yeah. and it was like she, if she wanted to wear something just completely bizarre or something really colorful you know and, and just seeing that visually as mm-hmm. well yeah it was really inspiring and I think it's just giving you again it's like about the freedom to go there aren't any rules you know rip up that rule book yeah. how you want to act how you want to dress what you want to talk about that's just down to you so, and then Madonna of course as well she was a
0: she's the ultimate expressing yourself
2: yeah absolutely and I think again it was like it was quite radical at the time because it was like you know, it being able to own your sexuality and and your own fantasies and feeling like that here was a woman who was actually in control of that mm-hmm.
0: was quite a wake up call for us as young girls at the time. Well, it also it seemed like she was so in control. I'm sure behind the scenes it probably wasn't always that mm. way for the likes of, of of Madonna and and all the women of of that genre, even even Cyndi Lauper and people like that. We look coming through, um. But you know, they did use their music to express sex and sexuality, which was kind of a little bit of a oh my like men Mm. have been doing it for years they've been talking Mm. about love and sex but for for females it was it was was seen quite radical and quite oh my gosh can you say that and i think
2: as these female artists grew in power and success and um you know and financially as well you know they did gain more of that creative control and i think that is a really interesting point because when you do look at women expressing themselves whether it be you know on a music video or through their lyrics And you see them talking about sex or appearing particularly sexy. There's always a question in my mind is whose whose image is this? Mm -hmm. And if you know and if there's a a feeling of, you know, this is the woman's fantasy. This is how she is presenting herself. This is how she feels sexy and she's doing it for her own authenticity. Mm -hmm. Then that feels really powerful. But there's always a little bit of a question mark for me certainly when you look back a couple of decades or maybe even more than a couple of decades, Mm -hmm. where you're going like, who's behind the camera lens? Who's directing this video? Who's making the money out of it? And who's making those decisions? You have
0: been working in the music industry yourself for a long time, X over 10 years now? 16 years. 16 years. Have you seen much of a change, even of the artists coming through through the door? Because I remember hearing you on the radio being one of the few female voices on Mm -hmm. that station. How was that? How did you get in there?
2: Well, I got in there by basically sneaking and blagging my way in. You Um, seem to
0: do that a lot, between going to gigs, mm, getting on the other door. There's a running theme here.
2: Um, I actually came in on work experience for Lauren Laverne. Yeah, I basically kind of was like, please, can I come and just make you guys tea? And then I basically just hung around like a bad smell until they gave me a job. I would talk a lot in the office. And eventually our boss at the time went, you know how you're talking a lot and all the time. Do you want to actually do that on air? And I was like, yes, please. Yes. So, um, yeah, that was the beginning. And then I got the show and started doing more and more shows. And, and yeah, the rest, as they say, is history. But I have, I have definitely noticed a shift the world is changing and i think um you know people are so much more aware of opportunities not just for women for people of color as well and that's that can only be a positive thing you know you, you shouldn't have to almost compete on those on that those terms you know you should be just celebrated for who you are i don't know i just i, I do think women have to fight a lot harder to be heard and to be taken
0: seriously Speaking about confident, powerful women, there is one incredible artist who I want to talk Mm -hmm. about. She's almost the embodiment of self-confidence and self-expression. It's Grace Jones. You can hear her track, pull up to the bumper on our Hear Her Voice Express Yourself playlist on Spotify. So, Birdie, talk to me about Grace Jones. Firstly, she
2: was unlike anyone else around at the time, but she also completely owned her image and her power. And she was so unapologetic. And, you know, she explored her masculine and feminine sides in a way I suppose David Bowie had done, you know, in a similar way exploring his male and female sides. But she took it to a whole other place and... What I love about Grace is that she is one of the sexiest women you could possibly imagine, but she does it on her own terms. So Mm -hmm. she does it wearing a power suit, she does it with the short hair, and she does it in a way that you know, if she's in the bedroom, (laughs) she is in control, (laughs) right? You know that, and you know that she knows exactly what she likes, Mm -hmm. exactly how she likes it, and she ain't afraid to talk about it.
0: You see this really strong, independent woman, but she's worked for it. Mm, She's worked for it, and there was no one, you know, I always wonder, like, who she looked up to because what she did was so defining. As you said, she redefined. There mm-hmm. wasn't really a woman in that position doing what she was doing. Mm-hmm. A woman of colour, a woman with a voice saying what she was saying mm-hmm. at that particular time. So yeah. I'm sure her fight, there was a lot of hustle. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, she was, I I feel like she's
2: one of those people that whatever obstacles was put in her way, she was always, she, she was always going to make it because... You can't, you can't stop. It no would one's be saying like,
0: no to Grace Jones. Yeah, it'd be like a lorry sort of driving through brick walls, just sort of powering through them. I remember. I think it was backstage. It was one of my first MTV Europe Music Awards, and it was in Liverpool. And I'm gonna say it was like 2009 or something. It was, it was a long time ago, 2010. And she was backstage, and I had to do an interview with her. And she just walked into the room, and I remember there was a cameraman. She went you're cute like, but, but in a really powerful way and not in a derogatory kind of yeah. d- demeaning way to him and I remember he was like oh my god Grace Jones is looking at me and she just had this X factor I think she just commands respect doesn't
2: yeah. she And yeah. it's, and it is that kind of like I know exactly what I want and I'm not afraid to say it and I yeah. think that is so rare in a woman mm-hmm. I think it's really hard because we apologise a lot for what we say. You know, I definitely start way too many sentences with that. I'm really sorry, uh, but... Mm. And it's like, no, she's... I mean, I can't imagine Grace Jones ever saying I'm really sorry, but she would just be like,
0: this is how it is, this is what I think like a Olympic. <laughs> it's really interesting. She, she kind of blended both mainstream and subculture. She brought mm-hmm. this like powerful physicality that her contemporaries did not possess. And she was mainstream mm-hmm. for what she was doing. It didn't seem like it was, but she, she brought it to the mainstream. And I remember that really powerful image. I think it was in 85 with He-Man <laughs> and the two of them beside her. I think she was like naked, yeah. but sometimes for women to be naked in pictures, it felt like a vulnerability. For her, it wasn't. It was strength.
2: Well, that's again, it, it, it's, well, it, firstly, I think it was the pose and yeah. it was the power that she had. So she wasn't, sitting there kind of looking like oh who me Mm -hmm. and sort of you know vulnerable and sweet Um, she was looking like here I am Mm -hmm. and here's every inch of me and don't I look fucking fabulous but also that you got the feeling that she had a lot to do with that image and that she would never have let you know a photo be taken of her naked and be put out unless she absolutely loved it and wanted it to be out there because she just exuded you know that power and that control and she just has always felt like the woman who's calling the shots and not the woman who's being told what to do when it comes to expressing
0: yourself and sexuality
2: it has to come from an authenticity you know as as the landscape is shifting and female artists are gaining more and more control we are starting to get more of a female view of power and of
0: sexiness. So Birdie, I want to talk to you about our next featured artist, Shania Twain. She's another fantastic artist on our playlist that pushed the boundaries of how women express themselves in the 90s. But before we do, let's hear about the best-selling female artist in country music history and one of the best-selling music artists of all time. From our resident music expert, Laura Snapes. Over to you, Laura. Thanks, Laura. So between Scary Spice and Shania
3: Twain, 1997 was the year of leopard print in pop. And when I think back to our year four school disco, I'd really like to know whose outfits inspired more of those Tammy girl tributes. At least for adults anyway, that feline pattern has always signaled a kind of animal sexuality and bold confidence, from ancient Egyptian divas to Josephine Baker and Coronation Street's Beth Lynch. But for Shania, the look had even greater impact than just a little standard issue sauciness. Although she was a Canadian artist, Shania's take on country music had given her an honorary home in Nashville, the heartland of country. And to an extent, she fit the bill. If you watched a video to any man of mine from her second album, The Woman in Me, you can literally see her herding cattle, and it doesn't get more down home than that. But for her third album, Shania boldly expanded her self-expression, and she seriously upset Nashville in the process. It was her first album made entirely with her new husband, Mutt Lang, who had previously worked with rock acts like ACDC, Led Zeppelin, and The Cars. Together, they pushed her country sound towards a kind of gleaming pop crossover that was perfect for the MTV era, and that's how Shania ended up in the UK pop charts, which have really never been all that friendly to straightforward country music. This kind of genre meddling is basically heresy in country, which you could fairly enough call music's most traditional genre. But for Shania, who had a hard childhood, and was left to raise her siblings after her parents died in a car accident, music was an escape. It was meant to be fun. And so she embraced pop and sang candidly about useless men, their paranoia and cheating, and how sorely they disappointed her. In That Don't Impress Me Much, you know, the one where she wears leopard print in the desert in the video, she rolls her eyes at pretentious blokes who pay more attention to their cars than her needs. But she also played deliciously with gender roles on songs like Man I Feel Like a Woman and Honey I'm Home, in which she's the one kicking her shoes off at the end of another dismal day and expecting her man to bring her a drink. Coupled with Shania's love of leopard print and leather, and the fact that more often than not she had her belly button out, Nashville was thoroughly unimpressed. Of course, female country artists had sung about the realities of womanhood before. This was more than 20 years on from Loretta Lynn singing about the contraceptive pill but they did usually hold on to certain conventions. Shania's record label told her that men would find her too opinionated and women would hate her for being, she remembered, sensually expressive. Shania ignored them all. I get the feeling that since she had little to lose, coming from not very much at all, why waste time pretending to be something she wasn't? And as it turned out, she was absolutely right to ignore the lot of them, more right than she ever could have imagined really. Come On Over became the best-selling album by any female artist ever and the best-selling country album of all time, selling more than 40 million copies and winning four Grammy Awards. Shania pretty much invented the pop country crossover, kicking down the doors with those famous leather boots to clear the path for the likes of Taylor Swift and Miranda Lambert to freely express themselves in the decades to come. And where some older stars can get a bit judgy towards younger female pop stars showing their bodies, I really love that Shania is still as open-minded now as she was back in the 90s. Recently, a journalist asked her whether contemporary pop stars showed too much skin, but she said no, and that the boundaries are really up to the individual. I think Shania knows that it's not so much about the outfits as it is their ability to convey a performer's true sense of self, their personality, their sexuality, It's that which listeners respond to. And if a little bit of leopard print catches their eye, so be it.
0: Incredible. We all love a little bit of leopard print. It would be wrong if we didn't hear a little bit of the track that saw Shania put female empowerment lyrics into country pop. Here's Man, I Feel Like a Woman from 1997. Totally crazy, forget I'm a lady. This isn't necessarily the themes of what you were talking about, country was mainly heartbreak Um, or unrequited love. So this was very different. It was an anthem, Mm -hmm. I guess of that time in the 90s. I
2: can't imagine a single night out that I had with my girlfriends <laughs> in the 90s where we didn't end up singing this song at some point. And I'm sure we're not alone in that. So yeah, it was a huge song. And it was it was really nice to have a song that felt again that it was women singing to other women and going, come on girls, let's have a good time. And it was celebrating the fun that girls can have when they are together the video as well you know her with all the male backing dancers that Mm -hmm. was kind of radical at the time because we're used to seeing the men with the sort of um,
0: sexy girls behind and she flipped that a little bit it was very different for the time and and i guess particularly in the 90s especially in the pop world you had your like christine aguilera's Mm -hmm. and your your britney spears and your spice girls coming through and there was this female empowerment movement kind of the spice girls Mm -hmm. the girl power I look back now on some of the lyrics of some songs, especially in reference to Grace Jones, about where did those lyrics come from?
2: Absolutely. And that's one of the first things I check now is I always go like, oh, who wrote that? And one of the songs I was hugely like into was the divinals Um, Mm -hmm. and I I touched myself and Mm -hmm. I was like oh my goodness here is a woman singing about like Mm self-pleasure and owning it and I was so disappointed to find out that the lyrics were written by a man I was like no but you know of course she made them her own and she put that message out there and made it okay for other women to feel like that's that's totally okay and it's great and you know know yourself explore yourself but I I was, you know, I can't pretend I wasn't a little bit
0: disappointed. It wasn't her who wrote them. But anyway. Well, Shania wrote this song, Man, mm-hmm. I Feel Like a Woman, with her partner, but it is interesting looking at the 90s so when I want to look at the 90s especially when this song was out and this was such a huge song at the time what's your kind of view on females around in the 90s because for me I guess I was a little bit older at that time I was, mm. I was coming into my teenage years and I was probably a little bit more aware of myself kind of age 13 14 maybe fancying boys like who am yeah. I what am I for, for you where, where's your head at this particular time so
2: I kind of veered a little bit away from the pop scene yeah. um, and the girls um you know, the kind of sexier look and the sexier songs. And um, I'm not going to lie. I did. I loved a bit of Spice Girls, you know, and I thought, again, similar to what we were talking about with Shania, it was women's, you know, singing for other women and going like, come on, let's talk to what it is to be a female friendship, what it feels like, what's great to have fun as a woman. So I did love that. But I was, you know, I was really into Hole. You know, I thought Courtney Love was incredible. Mm. um, And the grunge scene, you know, that was for me that here was a woman who was really curating her own image. And it was really expressing who she was and no one else looked like her. Um, And, you know, she was singing about gender issues, about body issues, but in a kind of angry way and you know um a really quite abrasive way an unapologetic way you know she was drawing a lot of, from her own experiences um you know and quite a violent background that she'd experienced as a woman and sharing that but i found that incredibly powerful and so for me you know she was someone who i definitely related to at the time not personally but just in terms of you know just inspiring to go again be authentic be yourself tell your truth
0: look how you want to look there's something really. Um I mean, I think for so many women, Courtney Love is such an icon. But still to this day, she's referenced as as, as who her, her, her partner was, who her husband was. And it's mm. it's still, despite everything that she's done, she's still Kurt Cobain's yeah. other half. And I think we both have other halves who are in the industry too. And mm-hmm. I, I still feel to this day like women get tied to that more than men on the other side? Or do you agree?
2: No, and I think it's a real shame because in particular with Courtney that, you know, there was all these rumours swirling around saying like, oh, you know, Kurt wrote one of her albums and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, that's absolutely not the case as so far as we know anyway. You know, no, everyone within the know has denied that. And, yep. you know, she was a musician um, on her own right. She was successful. She was, a, she's an incredible front woman. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, it's, we have a tendency when there are women who are powerful and who are owning their own sort of image and owning their own sexual you know, expression, we like to vilify them. And I'm not saying she's a perfect human being, don't get me it wrong. Yeah. You know. But if you look back in the history books, you know, what happened to Cleopatra? Oh, you know, she was she was a little bit too sexy having it off with a bit too many men mm. you know let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's kill while, her off you know while, while,
0: while for like for a woman it makes her slutty, for, for a man it makes him yeah the man
2: absolutely and I think you know there is a tendency to try and put women in their, their place and it's like yeah you can be sexy if you're being cute and pretty about it and if you're conforming to what men think of as sexy but if you're trying to be sexy in a kind of dominating mm. way and I suppose Madonna did that very successfully by saying you know you know what I want to be sexy but I'm having the power here and yeah. I think there was a really powerful moment where Madonna said once that the most controversial thing she's ever done is to stick around and I think what she means by that is that she hasn't shrunk away she hasn't aged gracefully as they say and she's not going to pretend that she doesn't enjoy sex still and she doesn't think that she's still sexy and want to celebrate her body and I think society can accept women's sexiness within limitations. And I think when you step out of that, and when it becomes uncomfortable, you know, you have to be really strong to withhold that kind of criticism. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say Madonna's a victim here. She is far (laughs) from it, and there are far many more women in the world who I will save my, you know, my
0: concern for than her. But I think she raises really interesting points. Just going today, Rihanna, Beyonce, Ariana Grande, these pop queens at the peak of their powers, and not afraid to express themselves sexually, on their own terms, do you think there's been a a shift in, in how women are are kind of or or maybe a shift in what's going on behind the scenes as opposed to because there's always been women talking about themselves sexually but Mm. you know I kind of go back to my own experience and I I remember there was two women I interviewed in my early days of MTV. One was Jennifer Lopez, one was Britney Spears. And the dynamic of the rooms I walked in were very different. Mm -hmm. When I walked into Britney Spears' room to interview her, it was very different than when I walked in to interview Jennifer Lopez. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Lopez knew what was going on in the room. She was in control. Britney, I didn't feel, was. And I Mm. bloody love Britney. And it's only now, in hindsight, looking back, that I can kind of realise, oh, Mm-hmm. That was—I I sense something wasn't right there. I
2: mean, you can, you know, that there, there is a sense of, you know, women like Grace Jones. We talked about. I mean, you just feel like she, she was, she's always been in control. Yeah. But I think with all these artists, you know, it's certainly shifting. I mean, Beyoncé's absolutely just smashed through ceilings. Yeah, it's um, been a journey. Yeah, and I think you know, you, you. I think with success, and money comes more power and creative control but what you hope is that you know it's not just the powerful successful famous women that we know who are able to control their image that the the younger woman coming through and I think there was a moment with um, Billie Eilish you know she's such a cool girl she's so talented she's so phenomenal she owns her image and she did a shoot for am I Vogue? Vogue? Yeah. yeah
0: but she'd never shown her body beforehand she always wore baggy clothes before that moment and that is the mm-hmm. the
2: beauty is no, of feminism and of, of female empowerment is that you can control your image whatever it may be and you don't have to be androgynous to be powerful you can be really girly and feminine and still have power in that when she feels good
0: (laughs) Uh, Birdie thank you so much for joining me on the podcast hear her voice express yourself thank you my next guest is the incredible Rebecca Lucy Taylor now, self-esteem has worked hard to express herself on her own terms. Rebecca grew up in Sheffield, playing cricket and going to gigs. Yeah, an combination. She was a member of the indie rock band Slow Club from 2006, where she played guitar, drums and sang as a member of the band. When Slow Club split after 11 years together, Rebecca realised that she wanted to do something else musically, and that was going solo, taking her music in a pop direction. Changing her stage name to Self-Esteem was a key step on her journey of taking control. Rebecca has said that she wants to make music that is proudly, powerfully female. Her debut album under the name Self-Esteem, Compliments Please, was released in 2019, and Self-Esteem's second and latest album, Prioritise Pleasure, was released in October 2021. The Guardian, Sunday Times and GigWise all ranked Prioritise Pleasure as the best album of 2021 and The Guardian also named self-esteem song, I Do This All The Time, as the best song of 2021. Wow. Her prioritized pleasure music video pays homage to Madonna's blonde ambition tour. And we chatted about how Madonna inspires her. We also spoke about the other female artists she admires, as well as how it feels to be taking the world by storm with her latest album. Rebecca Lucy Taylor aka Self Esteem. Welcome, how are you? I'm great, I'm very happy to be here. Well it's a, a lovely just to kind of properly chat to you and we, we've crossed paths a bit. I met you at the Attitude Awards, congratulations. <laughs> but today is I feel a really special day and I'm, I'm really happy we have this time to chat because we're, all, we're celebrating women in music, we're celebrating the female artistry and in this particular episode expressing yourself and I, I kind of want to take you back Rebecca to I guess the first time you knew you could express yourself through music
1: ah wow yeah I think I mean I was writing songs when I was like 10 I remember writing a song called upside down and I think the lyrics were upside down inside out so I don't know where I got that from but I really was just a kid that wanted to do anything I would play tennis I did cricket I went to I was dancing I was singing I was, so like the fact that I've ended up doing music was just that I think by a process of elimination <laughs> that was the one I was actually good at I could have been a tennis player put it that way <laughs>
0: So was there any particular artist that you remember the first time you saw them or heard them? I remember when I was three, my dad brought me to see Kylie Minogue. And I thought, wow, yeah, yeah. I want to do that. And I didn't do it. But I, I thought that was there something like that that happened to you when you were younger or an album you heard and you thought, yeah, I'll do that.
1: My mum would play me a lot of carpenters. So I remember sort of hearing the like how beautiful that is, like astonishingly beautiful. Like, mm. so I think it was a mixture of the carpenters. My auntie took me to see Fame, the musical. Really? <gasps> Really blowing my mind yes. and then also my dad would play me this um Peter Gabriel live VHS we had and it was like he had like a moving stage and like a tree came out of the stage and all this kind of thing it was a real world tour for anyone who was sold on this uh this live show but um that was like really really influenced is still influencing me today but he had a female backing singer who wore like a long black dress and doc Martins and it was a combination of all those things that really just caught my imagination and yeah it's ne- really never left me and what I'm doing now in self-esteem is basically what I want, wanted to do when I was a 10 year old girl you know bullying other girls to do the dance routines but this time I've force them I, I, I
0: can pay them and they do it. <laughs> do you remember a particular thing I don't know someone said something to you or maybe performing in front of people when you thought I actually have a talent and this is more than just like a hobby?
1: Uh, I was always singing um, and then when it came to like learning instruments I volunteered to learn the drums because I thought I, obviously I thought I was cool. Uh, There's nothing more passionate than me just trying to look hot I guess <laughs> and I was weirdly good at that like quickly and um, yeah. I think that really started this idea that like I was uh, there was something about it that I I was good at and, uh, and then I did GCSE music and and was going to do it on the drums and like a big part of the GCSE back then, I don't know if it still is now, like it's performance mm-hmm. and, you, and you have to get points from the performance and, and they accumulate to your grade and, Trying to get points doing like drum music versus trying to get points singing show songs Mm. was very different. Mm -hmm. And my teacher was like, just sing the show songs. (laughs) Just get the limits out, please. Uh, Because me trying to like painstakingly play like (laughs) hi-hats to William Tell was not the one. Is it
0: Um, it weird though? Is it weird trying to get points from music? Like, If you think about it now, I guess when you go mm -hmm. on stage and you perform, it's reaction. It's a different, you can't, it's really hard to like quantify music and what music does to you so you know, when you look back to like studying music is it strange to kind of go how do you put points on music
1: well that's the thing like i think how it, do you measure exactly, it exactly and you can't and and oh well you can but it's a very different thing like people mm-hmm. i know that are theoretically grade upon grade upon grade in their instruments they don't really make very nice music they make music that flexes how much music they can play and i was just lucky at school that my i had this music teacher called mr Wright. it was like first and foremost was just a massive laugh (laughs) and he really taught me to it could have gone very differently because I found the theory really difficult and I was really not very good at it and um but he he fostered this sort of music is about feeling and passion and and melody and feeling your way rather than being theoretical and being really smart so yeah I I bet a lot of kids get disillusioned pretty quickly but I was just lucky and that's I'm always maintaining like I wouldn't be doing what I do without Mr. Wright. <laughs> I
0: and mean, what a name Mr. Wright came along at the right time. But it is, you know, I guess having those right role mo- right role models and the right people to kind of push you or guide you is so important I guess for breaking through and 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 that belief because you have that self-belief yourself and it's all about expressing yourself but having that support is very important as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I like my mum and dad are, they've never pushed me but they've also never um stopped you. Yeah, like I was like going to go to uni but I'd, you know, I'd started my band Slow Club and we were getting offers and my, my dad like full-on pulled the car over and was like just defer and see what happens with this and like mm-hmm. we are not um, a <laughs> over the top dramatic family like <laughs> and it's like oh, he's, he's taking the time out to really make sure that he's communicated that yeah so I did and you know it is it was the right thing for me to do but not that it hasn't been really difficult and mm-hmm. the stick with it I've had to have is Borderline um, delusion, some (laughs) has been. That's why I'm so glad it's going well now. I'm like, oh, thank God for that. Because I can't believe in all the underdog (laughs) stories
0: if I don't make it, you know? You, You mentioned there about self esteem being who you wanted to be when you were 10, which is lovely. How is self esteem different to Rebecca? Lucy Taylor do you feel like you have a persona when you're on stage when you're making music that that's different to kind of Rebecca chilling out in the house?
1: Yeah I don't really it really is all very much me but it's more like I'm really shy weirdly and I find things difficult without like five glasses of champagne socially mm-hmm. you know but the stage give is sort of sorry I'm not very eloquent about this but like at me it gives that's the equivalent of the sort of like five glasses of booze because it's I'm already there I'm up there and you've got to listen to me so in whatever package it comes in as long as I've got something that's giving me the confidence then I then I'm always you're always getting the same sort of thing I think I might even like having a coffee would make me be like okay I can more chat than I was gonna be yeah Uh, so the stage like I think I think people come and they see this like person being this really empowered thing and and I definitely like um but it's because I'm allowed to be,
0: because you've paid for a ticket and you're there. Is it kind of tough to have that balance to kind of showcase self-esteem on stage, the way self-esteem should be showcased and express yourself the way you should express yourself, but to kind of keep up a certain expectation, I guess, from the audience? The stage gives me the confidence that in mm. a, it's a, a someone's engagement do,
1: I would need a drink for, you know, mm. mm-hmm. but that's sort of why I do it in a way like, the real me is, is is a bit introverted, but I have all these artistic ideas I want to communicate. Um, but yeah, the lights, the stage, the fact that we're doing my music, that that's enough. Like I do, um, well, in my old band, it, it wasn't as much my me. And um, I used to, you know, you get there at three o'clock and there's a crate of lager, you know, when you're in your 20s. And mm-hmm. if you're me, you're probably pretty depressed. Like it did used to be a bit like a bit of a nightmare. But now I've made... The show that I make and the and the music that I make we're all pretty like chill on tour now because this the show is ex- exciting enough and exhilarating enough and that's a real life-changing yeah. thing for me because I used to think god you know and I was, I was never very happy phoning it in and like having to booze up just to feel something and like now we don't I mean don't get me wrong sometimes we have mm. a royal rave up at certain gigs but not much
0: anymore <laughs> You mentioned there being in the band before and kind of coming from this indie <laughs> background to kind of get into where you are now. And this is this is kind of probably you at your most self, would that be right? Like in your most comfortable and probably where you want to be. And talk to me about that transition because it's almost like transitioning into yourself, into who yeah. you who you are, who you already were. You just had to kind of allow it to blossom the way it should.
1: It's really crazy, and like truly, still daily. I'm like, oh like the penny drops and I'm like oh no wonder that that used to feel like this because I hadn't yet figured this out you know it's really fun I'm like a it's like safari every day to my own uh psyche (laughs) (laughs) the last tour I just did was like uh small venues still and that was the point and and we sold it out thank god but I was walking into venues I've been walking into honestly like 12 years in a row and um one of the venues I was walking up the stairs to the very familiar dressing room and and what used to feel like, I don't know what I'm going to like walk into. The girls mm-hmm. in my band like, pissing their pants about something. And I was like, wow, these feet... <laughs> it's a really profound moment where I'm like, this is the, my feet are the same feet. My, <laughs> you know, being used to get up these stairs, but I'm walking into something isn't frightening or, or, or and exactly where I belong. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sat
0: here being like, my life's lovely now, but... I, but you're you. You're being you. You're living your life. That's the difference.
1: Yeah. And when I have girlfriends that are going on day after day after day and like just trying to feel validated by somebody else I'm like wow like that really was only recently me and and like it did take a massive amount of willpower and strength and um, a load of therapy that's cost me more much here and to get to the point where I've become myself I can't advertise it enough yeah. it's and, and I'm excited now for the rest of my life rather than I used to be like oh my god am I I'm gonna do this for much longer you do know this. and I think that you get I don't, I don't know, but I think a major, the majority of people feel like, well, this is my lot
0: or mm. you get to sort of 20-whatever. Yeah. You feel like your life's over. I've I've chosen this life now, so I might as well stick on this path because it'll take too long to get off the path and get on another path. Yeah, and that's the thing I, f- I find really hard to witness because it's not, you know. And- you, you mentioned there, you know, the importance of even like therapy and kind of, you know, having... Time and allowing yourself to kind of dig deeper. Um, I always, if I'm honest, like for some, I interview so many musicians, and I have a lot of friends who are musicians, and I always get a little bit jealous because I kind of think songwriting is, seems so therapeutic. I remember once. Uh, years ago going out with a musician we broke up and then he like wrote about the breakup and i was like damn you i wish i had that outlet <laughs> like, i was like fair. i was like what a brilliant way it's like free therapy um how important is songwriting what is songwriting to you when it comes to expressing yourself because i i do get really jealous of songwriters
1: yeah i i, I feel for people that don't have an outlet in some way because it is the only way i deal yeah. with things like especially yeah. like on this record obviously i'm a massive theme of this is recovering from a sexual assault that I can't talk about and I can't name names about and and will never get, you know, quote-unquote justice for. But having the outlet to be able to just even communicate slightly something I feel about it, as a woman who's, like, we're all super silenced all the time, especially about this subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it ha- mm-hmm. it's always been that for me. And only just now am I realising, like, that's where my desire to do it comes from. And I think if you charted it all the way back, so much of it is because you know, humans have this problem, but I think women really have this problem, which is like shut up and get on with it and don't cause yeah. any force. And yeah. So it's I think mm-hmm. I'm formulating this sort of theory only recently that like I do it because I because I am defiant and I, and I and I'm angry and I and I want to make my point in a world where I sort of can't. So I can do it in music and who knows if I'm ever going to do it really, really in mm. real life. I still don't say shit to anyone. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I think it's, it's therapeutic, mm-hmm. but it's also my form of protest, I think, as well. And that's, for someone who actually does, I'm like a real people-pleasingly yeah. bruised, scared of everyone. I still have this part of me that's a real, like, Rottweiler that wants to, like, bark you know
0: and well let's talk about that and let's talk about the bark and your bark and your songs and the music i want to start with the track prioritize pleasure and i, I want to ask you about the lyrics for that song and where they came from
1: yeah I, i've had this idea for ages because i shaved my pubes and i was like and, I, and for no agenda rather than for myself so i had written in my it. Why not? written in my notes shave my pussy that's just for me yeah because for so long when I was younger, I would, if I had a date, I'd shave all my pubes off, <laughs> even regardless of whether or whatever I thought was going to happen. Yeah. Noticing these small shits that I've changed over the years, mm-hmm. prioritise myself. So that was like the little jumping off point. And then just generally like prioritising myself at all was alien. And then I see now why that's why my 20s were really difficult because... It's not about being selfish. It's been it's been sort of uh, certainly for someone like me, it was uh, peddled to me that it would be selfish for me to go. No, I'm not going to go th- to that because mm. I don't want to. Just me slowly realizing that is what I'm on about there. And then, <laughs> just but, uh, it's going to age really badly. But uh, you know, I've got a lyric about unfollowing you if yeah. I want to. Mm-hmm. And even that's been a problem my whole life because people, you know, the amount of shit I've got into if I've <sighs> you've not followed so and so back, and I, I'm not following you. I hear you. our real life relationship. Yeah. You, is yeah. is real but your instagram will probably piss me off so it's for the good of this you shouldn't follow me babes <laughs> yeah yeah i know so yeah then i'm sort of on about that and i the second verse but for quite a while was like really sort of middle of the road about someone i would just started seeing and then i and i never felt good about it. it was just a bit of a placeholder and then i i'm in margate i sort of live between margate and london and there's like beautiful sunsets there all the time and and I remember when I first moved there, I'd run down to the front and watch them all the time. And then, but I'd still be like, oh, hurry up, hurry. Like, wh- where am I going after this? And mm-hmm. I've got a bit of a strange relationship with mindfulness. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I've just figured out that like, I don't think anything's ever going to change for me if I, I'm i still somebody that wills the sunset to be quicker. lately as <laughs> I will this <laughs> sunset to go quickly And always thinking what next Never have I just enjoyed the moment Never known how
0: First two lyrics of Prioritise Pleasure, listen to my body, we haven't been in touch much lately. I think that's really beautiful because, I mean, your body's with you all the time. It's there all the time. The things right in front of us, you look in a mirror, it's there. And it's so true that sometimes the things that are closest to us, we ignore and we don't realise. and We don't take that time, we're rushing for the next one. And it's where whatever reason you wrote it for, like I listen to that and I get different meanings for me and it means something to me. And, and how do you find that? I guess when, you know, you do a gig and someone comes up to you afterwards and go, this song, I, this means this for me or it must be really special because it's no longer your song in some ways.
1: Yeah, I love it. That is like the perk of the job. And, and it's been more prevalent than ever on this record to have gone, here it is, like you can listen to it. And I, the amount of people that have, have really been like, thank you, you know, to, and I'm not saying like, I, I need you to thank me, but just more like... Still Nice. Nice. Yeah, it is nice, but it's it's more like I'm I mean, it's hard to say this without sounding really pathetic, but <laughs> I've always felt really alone and I've I've been a real loser. Like I like I've never had big groups of friends. Even in my own band that I started, I I was the odd one out, you know, and to finally feel like I'm not weird it has been <laughs> sensational (laughs) Um, and it's also like equal parts as fun as it is for me I'm like I feel really bad especially the amount of women that are like over 30 and not settled down that are going thanks for saying that I'm like oh it's not fair that we're so so much pressure yeah like oh you failed if you don't do it you know it's that really depresses me but also you know at least they've got a song to listen to
0: <laughs> how do you feel as a you know female artist i guess releasing a song like prioritize pleasure in in 2021 and you compare it to you know there's there's women who sing about similar things to you but uh, for their time like I you know I'm thinking of Madonna back in like 1992 mm-hmm. and you know the Blonde Ambition Tour and when she brought out that erotic book Sex like when that happened I got, like I was very young I remember but it was like Huge, like oh my god, a, a woman talking about her body and having sex, and not just not just the muse of a of a male songwriter. Mm-hmm. For you, were there moments like that? Looking back at at music and and musicians that you kind of looked to, going yeah, like, like what would it be like if you were like releasing music now in the nineties as opposed to
1: well, yeah, now uh, well, I think I've had a misplaced sense of equality <laughs> for quite a yeah. long time yeah. I was in a band with a load of lads and I was doing it, and it doesn't take much like Madonna was just saying what Prince had been saying the whole time. And yeah. I think there's a part of me that's like, that it's just not fair anymore. And sometimes things get a bit bad for me on the internet and stuff like that. And my initial thought all the time is I go, you shouldn't have said that, or you shouldn't have put yourself out there like this. But then I realise that maybe that's my, my little place in, in in the planet is to have done this and maybe change things. And and the same with Madonna, like mm. whatever you want to think about her or, or whatever the press wants to do to her like she just felt it and said it and that's what men get to do all the time and she's been brave enough to just take it all you know and, and keep it coming and, and and not not with her and it's really inspiring and, and and when it gets a bit bleak for me I I do have to remember like if Madonna hadn't bothered I wouldn't be here so there might I might be slightly doing that for someone
0: somewhere else and, yeah the legacy you're creating you know, you did mention that there are certain things that you wouldn't, or you, you, you're, you're not able to now talk about outside of music. But in music, you know, this is your your platform and an outlet that you can kind of talk about so many things that are, are very personal to you. But just wondering, is there anything you wouldn't write a song? <laughs> I about? mean,
1: I don't know, farting. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. Mm. Never no, say yeah, never, I, it's never tough say never. because, you know, like there's two sides to every story, right? So I would never name names and I would never ruin anyone's life in my music. Yeah, I would always keep it ambiguous enough just to sort of help me process it, but not. Yeah, so diff- this is a tough question. And I, I love that I answered with um, flatulence, but um,
0: mm. yeah, this sort of, and also something that will probably change over time as well because it might be something that you don't want to write about now but you maybe will write about in 10 years time
1: I mean I think maybe the answer is no I'm from I will always just say what needs to be said apart from if it's going to have knock-on effects that aren't fair uh, you know and and for people that don't have a platform or whatever and I would be careful about I'm always sort of who am I to really school anyone do you know what I mean like I think I believe I I can tell I can sing about things that like should be listened to but I, I I would never feel like I would never be like I'm the best and you need to listen to me I would always sort of struggle if it ever felt like I was being schooling you know but yeah who knows maybe
0: there'll, there'll be that song about farting still to come yeah
1: yeah <laughs> we've created a monster and now my heart record is on its way <laughs>
0: when I go back to the music your music I want to talk about the track I Do This all the time which has been voted the Guardian's Best Song of 2021 congrats I mean you, they
1: can't take that away
0: from me I can like make the worst music ever
1: going forward but I had this
0: <laughs> I mean it's like you go back to those days when you were studying music and they tried to like quantify and measure how good you are at music but just getting the label of Best Song of 2021 I mean you just can't beat that really
1: I don't know about you but like awards and things you can be like yeah they mean nothing whatever but if you win one we secretly love them we love them i'm like oh i am validated oh shit
0: (laughs) but just to you know just to kind of massage the ego even more i'm going to read out what they said about the song the song embodies that nagging internal voice the ever-present bully who is there to remind you of every embarrassing moment and cruel word aimed in your direction it's her ear for those small grubby humiliations the kind that spread like mold that captures how it feels to be trapped by an inescapable sense of yourself (laughs) I think I'm so stressed out by what everyone thinks of me and so full of shame and so
1: worried that I've, I've messed something up that in a way with, with that song especially, but with all my work, like if I just tell you, then you can't be mad at me. I <laughs> think it is just this really weird performance of the facts. If I've done a song where I'm saying I'm, I'll feel uncomfortable at your barbecue, it gives me relief to have told you that. And And I suppose what you can do from there is... Sort of ping pong forward into what I believe is our true strength, and what especially women need to sort of prioritize more than than we have done is like just being real and being honest and being vulnerable and not having shame about it. And you can talk about like Instagram and, and all that sort of stuff, and like versus reality and whatnot and and I've just I think it's a combination of being tired of performing and pretending oh, versus like realizing that there's just such strength in reality and just yeah. giving people for the facts that has changed my life you know and yeah I suppose the way people have loved it is shocking to me because I thought I was just yeah, experiencing some sort of mini epiphany myself but the fact that other people have have really got a lot from that is just um, sort of exciting to me. It's a movement, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, especially for women, people pleasing women like me. Like, my God, imagine if like we all start just saying what we mean yeah. a bit more. Like, the world will change. <laughs>
0: We've been hearing earlier about Chania Twain and how she expressed herself as a country pop musician. So I want to ask about the cover that you do in your live sets of her track, Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Talk to me about what that song means.
1: (laughs) I mean, for the most part, it started, because Joe Wiley does a thing where it's like, Can you do a cover of a song between a certain era? Um, The first time I did that Joe Wiley show, we did First Cut is the Deepest. I really thought about it. I made something big, emotional, beautiful version of a song. And this time I was like, do you know what I want to do? (laughs) I was like I just want us to sing man I feel like a woman like we're on karaoke and that's what we did and it's now turned into what I do it live oh, yeah. so firstly it was about having a laugh about like a song that's funny but then having done it and now knowing the lyrics much more and like actually diving in it was like pretty radical like yeah. it was a huge start in a yeah. in a genre that like country music is the most misogynistic one <laughs> like really gotta be like a hot woman who just Sings about loving men in in that industry, and like I just really mad respect for Shania Twain that they um, and it's on the nose, and and the idea that you have to like what just because you want to go out and have a good time, you have to feel like a man. But yeah, that sound actually is like quite a cool accidental uh, empowerment anthem that was was ingrained in us as kids. Like, and but more than that, it's really funny.
0: It's, it's as well, what I love about that, song, it's, you know, like songs just can bring you back to a feeling straight away. As soon as like it starts and the intro starts, you're suddenly transported. and just, I don't know where, even if I'm really tired and exhausted, if that song comes on, I'm like, I'm up, I'm singing along the lyrics. Running back from the bog when that comes on. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's definitely one of those. Before I let you go, one question I have to ask all my guests, and it's Hail the Queen. It's who is the greatest female musician of all mm-hmm. time, for oh, you
1: according no, to you. Oh, that's too
0: Yeah. Do you know what I'm gonna say? I'm gonna say Martha
1: Wayne, right? Because mm. she just has been doing it for so long and it's Every album is absolutely incredible. And mm-hmm. I guess she has a fragility, but with defiance that like, always really um, inspired me. She's just still making records that are just about the female experience and just always been very honest, I think.
0: Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me on Hear Her Voice. You're so welcome. It's been lovely. That's it for our Express Yourself episode. Remember, you can hear all the songs featured in this episode at the Hear Her Voice Express Yourself playlist on Spotify. If you like what you've heard and want to hear more, please do like and subscribe to the Hear Her Voice podcast to make sure you don't miss an episode. Next time on Hear Her Voice, I'll be talking about soundtracking our breakups and makeups, with my very special guests, Daisy Buchanan and Katie Tunstall. Thanks for listening. Take care.